Right, well, good afternoon. Um, I've called this a saga of user creativity. It's, uh, I've called it a saga because it, we've actually been doing it for a long time, long before anybody started talking about Web 2, but I will try to deliver this saga in 20 minutes. Um, we've recently redesigned our website, and our website contains masses and masses of the sort of stuff you would expect to find on a decorative art museum website. We've got lots and lots of information. And museums are extremely good at pumping out lots of information. But it seems to me that for some people that is absolutely what they want from a museum website. But for others, sometimes it is a rather intimidating process. And actually, there are many people out there who have a lot of information to share with us. And this is the area of work that I suppose I am really most interested in. Now, we do do blogs. We've got a lot of those, and we invite people to comment about what people have said on those blogs. And we have social media sites. We have um, a Facebook page. We have uh, various sites on. We have a Twitter. Um, we Twitter, and we have various sites on Flickr. But it seems to me that sometimes the stuff that we actually bring onto our own website um, is more significant because it means that you can actually interact more closely with the collections. Now, why do we do this? Well, first of all, as I say, to make use of visitors' expertise. Uh, we are interested in fashion. We are interested in body art. And the V&A, on one occasion, invited people to come to the museum to have their tattoos photographed. And amazingly, 1,500 people turned up one day, and our poor museum photographers, who are used to photographing static objects, <laughs> very nobly took the photographs, and I think made an absolutely brilliant job. And some of these people, slightly weird, uh, but stunning. I mean, they, some of this is really stunning material. And although the odd museum curator may have a tattoo, Actually, the expertise on tattoos does not actually lie within the museum. It lies outside the museum with exactly people like this. So it seems to me very appropriate to be asking people such as this to make a contribution to um, our website. Um, we then moved on to 19, buying fashion in the 1960s. And this is a picture of me at my 21st birthday party. And I think I use it to illustrate that actually one of the things you have to do is to be prepared to seed these sites. It's no good putting up a blank site. Nobody will contribute to something that is blank. It's like giving somebody a blank sheet of paper who's never drawn before and say, you know, go and, go and make work of art. Um, it's, again, very intimidating. So if you put stuff there to start off with, that gives people a sense of what might be expected. And I always think it's better if people do this under their own name. I will always put my name there because I don't really want other people doing this under the name of Mickey Mouse. Now, we can't necessarily stop that, but I would like to kind of set a tone. And this is another member of the web team uh, modelling her mother's 1960s op-art dress made from heels curtain material. And then stuff started to come in and this wonderful picture of somebody who got herself photographed in Bieber's changing room, uh, and she recalls what Beatles tune was on the, uh, on the microphones at the time. So again, those kinds of things, it seemed to me, 
it is a way of getting contributions of expertise from outside our four walls. Um, I think another reason for inviting contributions is to build archives. We've just been looking at a very good example of, a, of a, an area of archive and currently we have, uh, we're going to have a wedding fashion exhibition. Um, I don't know, it keeps moving. I think it's about 2014 at the moment. So we set up a wedding fashion site and invited people to send in either their own wedding photographs or to send in those from their uh, their family and again this is building up a significant group of photographs which we can actually display by date and to get start you start to get a sense of the fashions overall you start to get a sense of fashion photography and people send in some wonderful things <coughs> you see you get change over time and people choose how to represent themselves in these fashion photographs. So I think that's another reason for a museum like ours, not simply to be pumping out information, but being to try to draw material in. Now, we are a museum of art and design that was set up in the 19th century to improve design in British industry. It was set up after the Great Exhibition, and Prince Albert and Henry Cole, who was the first director, were very keen to make Britain more competitive. And they wanted to encourage design and creativity. And I think we are returning a bit to our roots. I think we forgot that purpose <coughs> for a while, actually for a very long while, and we turned into a kind of antiquarian uh, organization but I think today we are much more interested in creativity and in participation and there are various areas on the website where you can you are encouraged to demonstrate your creativity and knitting is one of these areas it's quite interesting trying to find the topics to do and I think it would be a big mistake to pick on a topic where we've got the world expert, say on 17th century silver, and open a discussion forum then. You might pull that off, and if you could get that person involved, you certainly could pull it off. But in some cases, it is better to find those spaces in our collections that actually aren't necessarily the most high profile ones, although ones where there are people out there with the expertise. So. We set up a um, database of our collection, and then we've got a collection of knitting patterns. So we put some of those on the web, and actually we have reproduced them in a form so that you can print them out and have them on your knee as you try to knit the thing, rather than trying to use a screen. And occasionally you find on blogs examples of people who have actually picked up your pattern and used it. And if we just go back to this one, this was called the Victory Jumper. And I suspect, I mean, of course, it's red, white, and blue, victory. Um, I'm not sure that point was entirely picked up, although this could be the creative interpretation of it. And I also, she does comment on it being a little bit too short. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think there are many things you could say about that. <laughs> um, now, we then invited people to share their, knitting, their own knitting, but we put in a constraint 
And I think that I think seeding things is important. I think putting in constraints. If you throw it open tremendously wide, again that sometimes causes people difficulty. So here we said non-garment knitting, and you get extraordinary things. Um, I mean, a life-size figure knitted. Uh, body parts crop up quite a lot. Um, here is a knitted uterus, a brain. I think this is a wonderful, wonderful uh, combination of technologies here. Thought that was really good. Um, this is a, a wedding dress knitted out of uh, plastic supermarket bags. Um, people very often worry that when you do this, it's going to um, sort of not going to have enough quality. And I have to say, my experience is totally the reverse. I am, and I shouldn't any longer, be amazed at the stuff that comes in. It is really interesting. There are some things that are more interesting than others, I have to admit, and um, there are ways of dealing with that. I mean, originally, I, I mean, we have had, we can sort of rate things ourselves as we put them on the website, so the more interesting stuff appears at the top of the site. And I think that I want people to have a good experience, so I'd rather they saw the best stuff first. Um, I think we should be actually having more voting amongst our users. We have to build that in. And here's some, some of this stuff is very conceptual. We never, I think that if you ask people to contribute, you should respect the effort that they have put in in contributing. So we include everything that comes in unless it is abusive in some way. I mean, there's very, very few examples of that. Unfinished, which is quite a problem, or irrelevant to the topic that has been set. And I have had a few slightly uh, tense discussions with people out there who've crocheted something for our knitting site. Um, and this one I can never resist showing. This is a cow sling, in case you hadn't recognised it. Uh, it came in from somewhere in the middle of America. Uh, this woman has a farm. They had a cow that they wanted to get up off the ground. They had a forklift uh, truck that they didn't want to actually put the metal under the cow. So she very ingeniously got her binder twine and two plungers and knitted this. And that was then used to lift the cow with the forklift. Um, this is absolutely in the tradition of uh, Henry Cole as the sort of ingenuity and the creativity that he was wanting to encourage. So it seems to me this is very appropriate. Um, we also have the World Beach Project. We had um, an artist, Sue Lorty, who is both a tapestry worker and draws in stone, and she's very interested in the relationship of small things. And she was blogging for us. She had to be persuaded to do that. She was very hostile to technology, and it turned out she was a brilliant blogger. She was very generous. She talked all about her her life, she talked about her studio, she showed pictures, she talked about cycling, running on the North York Moors, and actually what she was gradually putting together was her own creative process. And within about nine months she was actually on the A-level syllabus as an example of this for kids to go and look at. And she then 
suddenly saw that technology could do things that she couldn't otherwise have done. Somebody emailed her from New Zealand and said they'd been following her blog and they had started to make their own works of art on their beach and they sent her a picture of this and that gave her the idea of the World Beach Project. And, sorry, I should have shown you this. This is, this is, this is her tapestry work and these are what she calls drawing in stone. So although that might look like sheet of print, it's actually uh, a lot of small stones. Um, and this is where we have had contributions from. We've had something like 1,200 contributions from every continent in the world, including, you will see, Antarctica. I'm very proud of that. I don't think there's another museum project that has had contributions from every continent. And it's very interesting because we haven't done a lot to promote this. This is the power of the web operating here. And, uh, you know, it just spreads. Now, I have to say we've been running this for about three years. We tend not to close things down. Um, I think it's quite nice to have a good variety of things there. And, I mean, we are managing to find ways of these not being uh, hugely time-consuming, although I have to say there is a kind of learning curve there. And everybody is asked in this project to send a picture of their work of art, a picture of them doing it, and a picture of the place where they did it, and they can put a bit of text there. And again, stunning things come in. And you look at that and you think, God, how much time did that take? Yeah, these, are, these are real commitments that people are choosing to make. Now, I think some of these, probably people have done it already and photographed it, and others, people actually make the decision to go out and do something. And again, I think this is really important in, sort of in terms of digital learning, that you are actually encouraged to go out there, do something, and then sort of feed it back. This one's a wonderful one on Brighton Beach, where an adult education group saw the shadow down the side of the groin and then decided to fill in that shadow before the sun went in. Some people do their works a lot under water. <laughs> and we have a quilting site where you can send examples of your quilts. And some of them you can send in historical ones as well. But we now, and this is uh, where they've all come from, there's a slight difference between this map and um, the map of the uh, of the World Beach Project, but you can't look at this more going on. Who's, where, where, how did that get generated? I have to say, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and we now got a patchwork pattern maker, where you, this is the process, you get a photograph, you put it in the system and it breaks up your picture, tells you actually how many of each colour you need. You can say you want something simple, so it would be big squares, or if you want something more complex, you can have triangles in there as well, greater subtlety. And then you have the ability then to go and make your patchwork. And when we started this, there were lots of pictures of cats and President Obama. Um, but gradually, I think it's, you can see over time, the things got a bit more subtle. And we are now setting it up so you can take a picture from our collection, take something from our collection, and actually create your pattern from that. So this, again, is a reason why actually putting a thing on the museum's website rather than out there uh, means that you can make that closer connection between our collections and the activity. 
here, I mean, here is an example, and this is the, it, it will tell you just how many, you, know, you need 173 squares of that, of triangles of that colour. And this is brilliant. This one came in a couple of weeks ago. It's the first example we've had back <coughs> in of a quilt made from using the patchwork pattern maker. So you never know. You, know, you put these things out there, you're never very sure how many people are actually going to use them. Here is our first evidence of that, and it is, in case you can't see it, it's a New York taxi cab. Um, and I suppose another reason for inviting is it, it is to do, and I suppose you could say that this is the overall reason for doing it, to encourage that kind of engagement and participation and learning. Um, I mean, I come from an education background, so this is something that interests me enormously. And it seems to me that there are all sorts of different learning styles. And my personal learning style is not sitting there reading acres of text. It is actually doing things, getting involved. And from that, I learn. And I think a lot of other people do too. So I'm very interested in providing that kind of variety that keys in with various learning styles. Now, um, our, I suppose I would say one of our problems with what we've done so far is that there isn't, um, there, it tends to be a slightly one-way thing. You know, we pump out information to people, they send their stuff in, but actually there's not a lot of discussion here. We haven't had a lot of, we, most of our contributions are asked for in some kind of visual form, which seems appropriate for our museum. But actually, I think we need to get more uh, sense of community across people who are interested in a particular topic. So we are in the process of setting up community pages on our website. And one of the first ones, which I hope will be launched in the next few weeks, is a textile community page, where we will put you know, the, uh, the World Beach project, we will put knitting, we will put... And actually, we will also invite people to talk about exhibitions they've been to, to recommend books and actually to start to engage more with each other. And at the same time, we're setting up user profiles where you can, anything that you do to contribute to our website will be located as well. So you will have your own record of what you've done and also it will ultimately record tickets you've bought. Um, you can get high resolution downloads from our site uh, at no charge if you are only dealing with educational things or small print runs, <coughs> print runs of up to 4,000. Um, all of that will be, will be recorded on your profile page and you will also be able to create things like your own albums. And I suppose just to finish, now what is the impact of all of this? Um, suddenly you get more content, you get a great variety of voices the sort of things that people say about buying fashion when they have been the person buying fashion is not the same things that curators say about it. Curators will be concerned with the designer. Um, people who are buying fashion are concerned with the excitement, the emotion, the aspiration, what this thing was going to do for their lives. So you get a completely different view. And that, to me, is hugely valuable. It seems to me to round out the website. Um, I think museums have to be prepared to let go of some of their power. Um, I think, I mean, we have the world experts on certain subjects in our museum. I don't, 
we're not trying to undermine that and we have to make sure that people understand what is the museum's contribution and what is our visitors contribution people have to know that I think um, but I think that uh, I think gradually people are becoming uh, more interested in this kind of work as they see how it benefits them <coughs> and then what is the impact on the brows of the participant as well as the curator I do, we haven't really done a lot of work on this. There are things that I hope to be the case. It's always very difficult tracking these people down because you, you know, they are out, out there. And our member, our 65% um, of our visitors come from outside the UK. So you know, who, it's difficult to find them. But I do wonder sometimes whether the participant gets as much out of it as the browser. Um, for the browser, it makes the site richer. I'm sure there are many participants who have already done some of these things, put them on Flickr, and here's just another, another place to publish them. Um, and it would be good to do some kind of follow-up to find out what the real impact of these things um, is. But I have to say, I cannot report that to you. So, there you go. Thank you very much, Dave.